You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers tell their stories on what they sacrifice to create the music you love. It's just your genuine appreciation on a deep soul level for what artists do. And I love hearing that. I'm your host, Cello. What's up? This is J-Rock. And I'm right here. I'm chilling on the Bedroom Beethoven's podcast. That's what it is. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the final episode of the Bedroom Beethoven's podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Yeah. Beat me up. Beat me up. My guest this week is. Yeah. J57. What's going on? I'm J57. I'm an MC producer, born and raised in New York. 5-7 Collective, Chavez Sound are the record labels, Soul Spasm is the distribution, Brown Bag All-Stars, J-Mo Gang, we just dropped 757, Lord Tuesday, J-57, you know how it is, man, we, we, we drop a lot of music over here, and that's me. Looks like I brought back Brown Bag to me, they were not there when I struggled, they are not down with me, they can't see these mental scars, they are not buck 50s, I'm the one that's now in charge, all these fuck clowns shifty, yeah, I might attack, back. And a matter of fact, I write exact facts back then a riot act. Gang star bumping right in on the west side. Windows down, L's lit, burning like an enzyme. They were sleeping on me and my million dollar vocals. Man, I swear I did the work, but it's never on my socials. This a different cloth. I designed the fabric of a mogul on the phone with my accountant while we going over totals. Uh, no local, this all global, we all noble. Bi-coastal, clear as bifocal, so soulful. I'm cold chilling, meets Coachella, we propeller. It's bone chilling, they're telling stories of novellas. Looking better in my late 30s than my 20s only thing that's different mental clarity and money they try to use me they all want something from me while i'm putting up these boundaries ain't a damn thing funny trust my brother j57 swings back to the show after a few years to be the bookend in a body of work that is this podcast after 190 episodes i'm calling it quits the pandemic is over so musicians are ready to hit the road again and make music so it's a bit harder to get people on the horn but ultimately my podcast was something people can look back on as I documented how a lot of your favorite musicians navigated the pandemic, how they pivoted to other streams of income and it will always be a unique snapshot in time. I appreciate all the supports, the YouTube subscribes, my Patreons, everyone that sent me well wishes. And look, I like doing these kind of things, uh, but I would love to be in a position where I have a team behind me because it's hard doing this by myself. But at the end of the day, it's a passion project. If you want to reach out, talk about anything, future opportunities, just to say hi, hit me up at Marcello Miltier, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O-M-I-L-T-E-E-R at gmail.com. I'm always around. I end the podcast by having an in-depth conversation ranging from literally talking about the worst day he's ever had to having the most positive outlook on his life and all the range of emotions in between for the very last time. Shout out to the 5-7 Collective Chavez Sound. Rick, if you're listening, you're awesome. Please keep in touch. I see the label growing. Rhett Maddock and Jay Rawls for including me on their album. Whatever their future holds for me in the realm of podcasting and music, I will always have you guys to thank. Episode 190 of the Bedroom Beethoven's Podcast. I am your host, Cello. Thank you all. Up next, my conversation with the prolific... J57. Beam me up, beam me up. I was never from this planet. Beam me up, beam me up. What? I understand personally. It's 
Scotty, be me. Oh, that's music to my ears. you join me in 2023 there are a few milestones that i want to hit really quick first one is i'm talking with j57 a man in his 40s we're in a different set of 10s now a more <laughs> mature refined version and i i have no doubt that you think your 40s are going to be your best decade yet am i a right billion percent yes and i'm very blessed and grateful to even say that and thank you for saying it. secondly it is the 15th anniversary of brown bag am i mistaken oh it is dude <laughs> i didn't even realize that I, I'm going to have to send an email out to the whole crew after this. I'm actually going to put a reminder right now. Thank you. Thirdly, it is the 20th anniversary of you making beats. You started making beats in 2003 with High Q. God damn. Okay, you're nardwaring me already? <laughs> We're in one minute, 15 seconds, bro. The, the stars align, man. Every time we connect, <laughs> man, we, we got to celebrate these things. Yo, you're right. I'm writing down the 15 years thing because I'm like, you knew that and I didn't. And this is like literally, I was the RZA to that group. Like I started that group and i didn't even know that dude <laughs> 20 years of making beats man rapping since 98 beats since 03 crazy high q shouts to high q that's my brother i uh i bring all of this up because and, and i i wanted to get heavy at the top because if if we lost because you, you you touched on this that you're even lucky to be here if we lost j57 if you were no longer on earth you have already cemented a legacy and not many people can say that i bring that up because at the top of this interview i, w- I want to talk about something that I think you've been reluctant to talk about, and you haven't shared that that many details about you were you were involved in an accident, and I kind of wanted you to have the space to kind of walk me through the chain of events, like what details you're able to divulge, such as you know, were you driving, was neglect involved, the aftermath, how your life changed, kind of all of that. Man, you're gonna make me shut a thug tear I, in a good way. I appreciate the, <laughs> I appreciate the platform and the and the thought as always, bro. And yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, in, in 2021, I was I was a passenger in a, in a vehicle, and not to, yeah, not to give away specifics of what kind of like whose car and who was involved, blah blah blah. But but yeah, I was a passenger in the car just to let just to paint the picture that I had no control of anything, and the person driving had did nothing wrong either. It was uh, somebody on crystal meth that spun out of control, sped out of control uh, on a rainy night, and uh, and hit us head on and put my ass in the ICU for a little bit, and. Uh, I wasn't able to hear. I wasn't able to walk. I broke a lot of bones, skulls, staples. We we were doing it all, baby. One of the one of the nurses there, a male nurse named Tyler, super cool dude. He's like, so you do music? And like, I could only hear him. He was the only voice I could hear. He had a deep voice. All the female nurses, I couldn't even hear them. But like, yeah, yeah. I was talking to him, and he's like, so yeah, we hear. I hear you do music. Like, what kind of music do you do? And I'm naming all the people. I, you know, he's like, who have you worked with? You know, I said hip hop mainly. I do pop, jazz. You know, all different shit too but mainly hip hop. That's my heart, you know? And he was just like, well, who have you worked with while he's doing the paperwork with his back to me? You know? And I started naming just a couple people. I wasn't name dropping. He asked me who the fuck I worked with, you know? And he didn't say anything as he goes, he's just not saying anything. So I'm naming a couple more people. Cause I'm like waiting for him to be like, Oh, I heard of this one guy, you know? And he just turns around. He goes, I listen to every single person you named. And like, some of them were kind of obscure too. It wasn't like I was just like throwing out the big ones or some shit, you know? And he's like, I listen to every single person. So me and him are still tight. So, you know, shouts to my man. He like, he looked out real, real big, dude. It was like, it felt, it made me feel like kind of home in a way while I was going through the hardest part of my life. But I, I also know that this was, this was the second major car accident you were in. How did, the, how did the, how did that car accident differ from the other major car accident you experienced? Why did this one have more of an impact on your life? Yeah. Good call. Um, yeah. So the last one was October, 2018 and it's actually, I've been a vegetarian. I'm a pescatarian, but I've been vegetarian since then 
which was why I was doing physical therapy back then. My physical therapist told me I'd heal faster. And she's not a vegetarian at all. She wasn't like pushing that agenda on me. She's openly was like, I fucking eat meat. I don't care. Um, she's like, but you will, you're scientifically, you're going to heal faster if you quit meat, even if you do it for a little bit of time. So I actually did quit because of that. And I'm just, I've just never gone back. I feel the best I've ever felt. I'm the sharpest lyrically, production wise, business move wise, happy wise, like happiness wise, like all that shit. So um, yeah, that was October, 2018. I was driving that car. My daughter and her best friend were in the back with our dog. We were just getting the dog shots and we were, cause we just got a, another rescue dog, one of the millions. And uh, we were driving back and like, we were driving to skate park cause we, they were going to skateboard the girls, you know, I was teaching them to skate. And um, yeah, some, some lady was texting which is the bane of my existence since I don't even participate in texting. And like she was texting and fucking spun out of control and hit us head on. <laughs> and then fast forward a couple of years later, your boy is a passenger in a car, sees a car spinning out of control, knows what that's like, already has the PTSD in the back of my subconscious about it. So I'm already bugging. And then I kind of woke up in the fucking ambulance. <laughs> but yeah, the first one, yeah, it was like that one in 2018 was, uh, you know, Took an ambulance there. I was able to call. I remember I called Element. I called Rick Chavez, you know, DJ Element and Rick Chavez. I called them and I was like, yo, to let everybody know like what happened. I'm okay, but let them know I'm going to be off the grid for a sec. The adrenaline was pumping, you know. I was home that day. Um, I did get banged up for sure. Um, nothing permanent, luckily. My car got totaled. I just bought that car. The shit got totaled. The lady had no insurance. So I just took like a tremendous five-figure loss on that one. That put me in a weird spot at the end of 2018. But your boy came back swinging in 2019. I'll tell you that right now. You know what I mean? And I came back swinging last year in 2022. You know what I mean? I did the work. I did a lot. I mean, I had a limp that was supposed to stay forever. And, uh, and shouts to Solcon. I told him about that. And he goes, he like didn't say anything on the phone call. And he just goes, you know, you should have just kept that limp, man. It would have been kind of, <laughs> kind of swaggy. You know what I mean? Like have a little pimp limp. You should have kept the limp. You should really think about that. I'm like, and you know, he's making a joke because he's obviously one of the funniest people of all time. But yeah, that, that car accident was a lot different because it was, it sucked, but that was more of a psychological one. You know, it took me out again, five figures. It was a situation where I lost five figures on that as you're, you know, as I was trying to, uh, at the time raise a family and make it in music even further than I was. And, you know, it's a lot, it was a lot, dude. It was a lot. That was a psychological one. This one was physical more than psychological. You know what I mean? So that was definitely the difference. Well, I know you're big on family. The first time we chatted, you told me that your father was like directly involved in your career. You got the entertainment gene from your grandmother, Mary. You credit her for even yeah. being right-brained or creative enough to even have this type of career. But then there's your grandfather. And because you only had a very brief time on this planet with him, do you feel like your grandfather is kind of acting as your guardian angel in these situations? Like he's looking, wow, he's looking after that. you? Yes. Thank you, man. And, and, you know, rest in peace to grandma, Mary, she passed away in July of last year. And, um, she, yeah, she's the only one in my whole family that had anything to do with entertainment. Like I don't have like a distant relative that's a musician or some shit like that. I actually do have one, uh, like a great uncle or something who I never met, I think who lived in LA for obviously migrated from New York by way of Italy. Uh, his name was Rocky, which is cool as fuck Rocco. And, um, he he was he was like in the ho he was in Hollywood and stuff like that. I mean, again, like distant, distant, distant relative. I don't even know his family. I don't, you know, there's nothing connected. Uh, there's no nepotism here, folks. But uh, he was in Hollywood and like like Aaron Spelling like slept on his couch when they were coming up together. Like this is how old school this was. That's the only the only people in my whole entire tree, you know both sides of the family tree. Uh, my grandpas, man, both of them, absolutely. And now my grandma, who's up there too, Mary. Um, you know she. 
just they're there watching. I do believe that, yo. I do. I truly believe that they're watching over me. I really do. And I think they're opening doors for me as we speak that are because because I'm not they're not opening doors just for me, man. They know how I roll. They know what they see what I'm doing. You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes that I, I'll never put it on social media. I'll never tell people, but I'm doing stuff for people behind the scenes a lot. And I'm not even talking about the music. I'm just talking in, in life. You know what I mean? And that's that's a part of my calling. That's that makes me gives me purpose, makes me happy to help people and all that kind of stuff. So if, if they're if they're down to help me, I'm down to help everybody. Because one of the side effects was you lost your hearing. Was that like the limp or they didn't know it was going to be temporary or permanent? The reason I couldn't hear was because my skull was cracked right above the ear on both sides of my fucking skull. Yeah, the left one came back. I'll say, the, I'll say which one. The left one came back fully fast. The, the right one didn't come back fast. So I was freaking out and I was like not able to walk. Like, I don't know if anybody listening has ever dealt with something like that. But when what happens, that's an equilibrium issue. So I was like falling. Like I would get out of bed to go use the bathroom. And I would need, I had assistance to even get up out of the bed because my ribs were all broken and stuff like that. And I couldn't really walk still. And like, I would like start falling back and I'm not like a little dude. <laughs> so it's like, you got to really hold on to me. I'm not going to, I'm going to fall. I'm going to take you with me, you know? So I'd have to hold on to the wall in the bathroom to like brush my teeth and like, you know, shit like that. So it's just like, yeah, that was, that was different, man. But, uh, but thank God, man, I think the universe, thank everything that, that it came back and I'm able to hear and I'm, I'm not falling. I was, I was tipping over for a minute, bro. That, that equilibrium thing only stopped about three months ago. Like I was not falling the whole time, but I was like, if I moved the wrong way, I would start tipping a little bit to one side. It was friggin' weird. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm, I put the work in, man. I put the work in. I was going to specialists four times a week for months and months and months. You know, I only got cleared to fly again literally a year ago, almost to the day, mid-May of last year is when I got cleared to fly again. So I had to like, so I was bedridden. And then, and then when I wasn't, I was doing the physical therapy thing, like a monster, like a champ just to get through it. And I got rid of my limp by doing it. The orthopedist was like, how the hell did you do this? Like, I don't even like, you were supposed to have that limp. I'm so grateful that you don't, but like, I'm so glad you don't, but, but like, this is crazy. Like whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And I just kept doing it, man. I don't miss a day. And and, and I'm really grateful that you're even open to, to talk about it because like Solcon joked about the limp and you did all this work to kind of remedy all that, but you could have hired a marketing firm to give people a through the wire situation. You could have released a beat tape with the cover art of you bed ribbon, like Bushwick bill with his eye poked out ghetto boy style. You could have turned tragedy into dollars, but you opted to keep things hush and Jay, you're a smart guy. So I'm gathering you kept hush, not for legal reasons, but it was all by design. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And yeah, because you know, I i mean, people listening like cellos, I consider him a good friend. I mean, I know I've only known him a handful of years and stuff. But I consider him a good friend. We keep in touch. This is my dude. If I'm going to talk about this, I'd prefer to talk about it with my dude. You know what I mean? With my real fam. So like basically, I there's a picture of me in the ICU and I've seen it once and I never want to see it again. But it had to be it had to have been taken for uh, insurance or whatever. I don't have insurance, obviously. I'm a freaking musician. I had to deal with a lot of stuff. So they had, so somebody had to take a picture and I have seen it. And I started writing a post to explain while I was in ICU, by the way, um, explaining like what happened. Cause I thought, cause I was so doped up. I'm in the ICU. I'm not in the regular room. So I'm like on the craziest drugs, right? They even had, dude, they even had me on fucking fentanyl. And I'm not kidding when I say that. So it's like, I actually had to write all this. I wrote in my head, I had to write it all out to get it out of my head, I guess. And, and then I was going to make a post. And in my doped up mind, I thought, this will be a good way to shut everybody up so they don't all have to make, so it doesn't become my life forever where people are like, oh, are you okay? Like all sympathetic, feeling like I can't do shit, feeling bad for me, maybe making up rumors. Maybe he can't hear ever again. Maybe this, maybe that. I didn't know. If, 
I could walk again. I didn't know if I could hear again. I didn't know if I could make music again. This is just literally a year and a half ago, dude. This is not that long ago. And like, or maybe a little bit more, I guess. I don't know, but whatever. So I wrote the post. I showed somebody who was with me. They were like, you're frigging nuts. If you were to post that, you're going to get the polar opposite of what you're trying to accomplish with this by posting it. It's going to make it your life. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Appreciate you. <laughs> I'm going to delete this. I'm just going to give you my phone because I had another phone. I had a family phone. That thing got split in half. My wallet, everything gone. I had to redo the debit cards, the cancel everything, put every. It was just such a car, house key, car key, everything gone, right? Everything was lost in the freaking thing. But like, I had to keep it hush hush, man. Cause I'm like, I honestly didn't know if I was, cause you know, there's a lot of people who love attention, man. I don't like attention. Believe it or not, if you look at my Instagram, maybe somebody looking who wants to hate a little could look and be like, oh, this guy loves himself or whatever. Who, who knows? You can say that about anybody, right? Um, I don't think anybody's going to see my shit and see that because literally if you go and look, it's all I do is post the work because I fucking work. You know what I mean? I'm known for the work. I'm not known for posting selfies and showing you what I'm eating and stuff like that. I, actually, it's the opposite. If you're, if you're following what I do, it's because you know I'm going to show you. Maybe I'm in the studio with a guy like Premier. Maybe I'm in the studio with a guy like Harry Fraud. Maybe I'm doing this, maybe I'm doing that. And I'm showing you a little insight on that if you want to see it. It's pretty cool. You know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. But, and by design, yeah, I didn't want to show it, bro. Cause I got homies who are bigger than me in this game right now. And they get like a little asthma attack and they're posting pictures from the ambulance and it's a headline on DX. And I'm like, that's, you want attention that bad? Cause what I dealt with was real. What I dealt with was actually real. So I didn't, I didn't want to play that game. I don't even care about clout. And to this day, nobody knows about this shit, bro. You know how many people think I went off the grid and think I'm a dick because I haven't been in touch for like two years almost? And you know what? Then kick rocks because they're not supposed to be my life if they feel that way. You get what I'm saying? Because this is what I've been dealing with. And it's okay because I'm grateful. I'm in a great place. But this is what I've been dealing with. You know what I mean? But don't you, don't you feel like you, you cheat people out of the opportunity to like donate to a GoFundMe to make sure that you're okay? Like you, are these the societal boundaries that you were talking about that you have to set up in order to get through these things? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, yeah, I refused to do a GoFundMe for, for I've refused to do a GoFundMe for that. Cause I was just like, I just didn't want my business out there. I didn't want anything out there. Um, yeah, full transparency. It drained the crap out of my bank account at the time. I don't have insurance. I was in the ICU. It drained me for a couple months. Your boy was messed up for a couple months. And the only time before that was the other accident five years before or whatever. And, uh, and then I bounced right back like I do. You know what I mean? I'm resilient. I bounced right back. And uh, I was, and financially, I've never been better, thank God, you know, but I'm just saying, like, it screwed me up for a couple months in the beginning of 2022, the end of 2021. And uh, it, it's all good. It was all meant to happen. Everything was meant to be that way, man. It is what it is. And like, it's, it's all good, though, but I was able to hear again. And that was all that mattered to me. Oh. And once I got my hearing back, I cried like a baby. When I played that first song, I cried like a fucking baby in my bed, dude. Because I was bedridden still. So I played, I put on Spotify on my TV. <laughs> and I just put on uh, the first song on Graduation by Kanye. Fuck Kanye, because of <laughs> obvious reasons. But, but I mean... <laughs> Wake up, Mr. West, Mr. West, Mr. Fresh, Mr. By himself, he's so impressed. But I mean, as an MC producer, man, that was kind of my idol until all the crazy shit. But uh, I put on, yeah, I put on Good Morning, the first song on uh, on Graduation. I cried like a fucking baby, dude. It just, it sounded amazing. I, I've never heard music sound that good before at that moment. 
And what I did was I learned Koala, the beat making app. It's a $5 app, I think. I think it's five. You can buy it. It's for your phone, for your iPad, things like that. Uh, my man, DJ John Doe, taught me how to make beats on Koala maybe three months prior to the accident. And somehow, some way, my, uh, my brain retained that knowledge, which is not a very common thing. I'm not a, I'm not a quick learner. <laughs> I'm a visual learner who takes a lot. Like when Haikyuu taught me to make beats and EQ as well, my two homies, when they taught me how to make beats in, in uh, January of 20, uh, 2003, they literally sat my ass down for like a month straight every day showing me like I'm fucking five because I just don't grasp things fast. Even if I love them, I just don't. It's just what it is. When it comes to business plays and retaining knowledge on things I care about, I'll, I'll outsmart anybody with that shit. But something like where I have to learn a new thing, it's just like, unless I'm good at it right away, I just get turned off. It's just how I am. It is what it is. But like with Koala, I picked up on it fast because John Doe showed me a really easy way to do it. And I only, I, have, I did it my own makeshift way. But once again, once the hearing came back, dude, I'm, I'm laying in bed. I'm watching TV. I'm watching, I can't watch funny things because my ribs were all broken. So I can't, I can't laugh. I, I made that one mistake and I'll never, <laughs> I learned, a I put on Tommy Boy. I put on Tommy Boy. No, Black Sheep. Black Sheep. I put on Black Sheep. Chris Farley, David Spade. I put that on. I lasted five minutes before I laughed, right? The first laugh, man, I wouldn't even wish that pain on my worst enemy. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh, we're doing Scorsese and documentaries moving forward until a couple months when my ribs heal up, right? So that's what I did. And I learned a lot by having to do that, by the way. I learned a lot because I, you know, I'm laying there going, when I get it, when I'm back, dude, when I'm back, I'm coming back with a vengeance, and I fucking did. I'll tell you that right now. There's a lot of shit I can't even say in here that I did that I, I'll tell you off the air. But uh, that's going to be – people are going to be seeing that at the end of this year and uh, probably this time next year, some big, big things that are really awesome. But it was all because I was laid up thinking, doing what I'm doing. And shouts to everybody in my life that was there for me because it was just a tremendous amount of people that were there. But, like, yeah, man, that was it. Like, I, I made beat tape after beat tape laying in bed using Koala. I just laid there and just made beat after beat after beat. And I put them all out uh, the first 13 weeks of last year. So I did three instrumental albums laying in bed. Actually, I did 12. One of them was a beat tape of beats that were older. And that was like the name of the tape, Brown, ba Brown Bag Era, it was called. But yeah, I just went crazy making beats. I know that you care about quality at the end of the day. You did a whole video with 2Z and you scraped it because you care about quality. But you're releasing... 13 beat tapes in 13 weeks. All of those beats were worthy of release. Were you just on fire or, or, or are you just conscious that maybe some beats are stronger than others? Uh, yeah, I think, I think the only ones that weren't strong enough ended up being second movements on the beat tapes, a little Easter egg for anybody, you know, that wants to check them out. Like anytime the beat changes up almost like nine times out of 10, uh, it was cause I, they were just a straight up beat and I knew that they weren't strong enough to stand alone. So I was like, Oh, if I put this, if I make the first movement, like a minute, in a minute and a half or a minute and a half long and then boom the other one comes in i just was like any beat that was kind of b-listy i just snuck it at the end of an a-list sounding beat and and it's because you got to think about the raising the bar or like lowering the bar i mean like if i put it as its own track people can then judge it and be like oh there's some mid on this as you know as the young guys say there's some mid on this project you know what i mean like these got some shit that's eh, mediocre but if I sneak in it at the end of songs, now people are like, oh, but it's a second. It's like, they don't call it a second movement. That's what I do because I love classical music. But like it's a change up. You know what I mean? Who cares if the beats meh? You know what I mean? And in my mind, I thought it was good enough. Like they were they were like those little movements that were that I snuck them in at the end. I wanted them to live, even if they're 10 seconds long. I wanted them to be somewhere, you know. So but everything else was A-list for me. I, I mean, I made those beats in Koala. I emailed myself the stems. And then when I was able to walk again, even slightly, I was able to, because um, I was moving into a new studio, 
I was able to walk and I was set up, I spent hours and I set up like a little makeshift studio in the studio. And I just took all those stems and I just fleshed them out in Pro Tools and added bass lines and did this, did that. And then I was like, I'm going to release a million beat tapes. I'm sitting on like 200 beats I just made. Like I'm just going to release a million beat tapes. I hit up Soul Spasm, hit up Rick Chavez as well. The whole team, everybody was like, do it. Fucking do it, man. (laughs) That's it. I mean, as a J57 fan, like friendship aside, I'm... I, I don't understand the psychology because <laughs> night creatures, by the, t- by the time we hear night creatures, the beat is 11 years old. When you make a beat that good, how do you not release it immediately? How do you have the patience to be like, wait, this rapper would make a great verse? Or, hey, it's 2015. Nope, not the right year to release this. Like, what comes <laughs> together for an 11-year-old beat to get finessed where it's ready to roll out over a decade later? But then you'll release 13 beat CDs in 13 weeks yeah that's yeah that's a good point they don't realize i'm sitting on stuff that's like probably five levels better and it's not going to come out till later but for strategy reasons that's why i sit on stuff certain things for strategy like if i'm sitting on a nuke of a track or a project and i don't have the right machine behind me if i were to release that right now it's not going to do the same it's not going to have the same visibility it would have if it were to get the right push behind it. Yeah, like, you know, it just depends on on the situation. Like, even on the Lord Tuesday project that we just dropped, you know, I'm, I did all the beats and everything, but there's some beats on there that I made in 2006, 2007, 2008. You know, my younger, broke, non-brown bag self. Nobody even knew who I was. I'm just trying to earn my stripes kind of vibes. You know, living in Brooklyn and being broke as shit and no, don't know when the next fucking meal's coming from. Definitely don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. Definitely don't know this. You know, and it is what it is. It was that time, right? It made me hungry. It made me like claw my way to the top in, in, in a matter of speaking. But uh, that's it really just depends on the situation, man. I mean, I'm sitting on some crazy beats that if I if I wander into the room with Jay-Z, I know exactly what beats I'm going to play Hove that nobody else is going to hear. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just that kind of shit, man. What, what, ex, what percentage... Do the end results match the expectations? Like the last time we talked three years ago, you told me that there was going to be a song that's coming out that was going to change your life. And I think it was a DJ Premier Slug song. When that song gets released, does it indeed do the things you wanted it to do for your life to change? Yeah, every time I have these like grand ideas and shit and like like these crazy, let's call, them, call it air quotes, crazy ideas where I'm like, I'm like, yo, let's hold on to this song. Let's hold on to this project. Let's like, let's get a machine behind it. Let's create our own machine. Let's come up with a whole new marketing, you know, scheme, if you will. Um, I've never been wrong. The only time I, the only time I've ever been kind of wrong was, but I, I didn't trust my gut was my group tiger eye, which is, it's like indie shit. It's not hip hop. You know what I mean? It's straight up indie shit, like indie music. Like I don't, I wouldn't even call it indie pop. It's very, very avant-garde and it's phenomenal. Like the, the whole project tiger eye, uh, Love Will Never Be The Same is the name of the album, which is a hilarious title. Love Will Never Be The Same because we our first show was on Valentine's Day and that was the joke that we all had together was was that. So sh- shouts to Joe Rogers and Andrew Reed, but like those are the other two members of the group. You know, we were sitting on a scud missile of a fucking album, dude, like Radiohead meets ASAP Rocky meets Ratatat meets blah, 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 right? All, all these awesome things, you know? Made the whole thing in Brooklyn and just a beautiful project and we dropped it on Valentine's Day 2017 
And I didn't want to fully. And it wasn't like I gave in to them saying we have to. I, I didn't want to because if, if it was up to me, it still wouldn't have come out because I just wanted the right infrastructure to push it. So then I was like, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Let's release it. I got to say 1% of the people who listened to me liked it. Like the rest didn't care. They didn't even acknowledge it as the lowest streams. It has no praise. There'll be somebody once in a blue moon who says it's good, but it's not for that demographic. I learned a lot from that moment. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, that's the one time I did mess up, but it's not a mess up. It's actually, a, it's a, it was a teachable moment for me from the universe where it's like, I had to, re- I had to look for the signs. Like when you fuck up in something, dude, it's not really a fuck up. You got to look for the signs to teach you to get to the next, you know, to not, to not hit that speed bump again, to go around the speed bump. Maybe there's a little spot, a little concrete on the right. You could go around the speed bump. You know what I mean? And like, I learned, I was like, okay, who's my core demographic? Who listens to my music? Mostly boom bap heads, this age range, this gender, this, you know, this, these locations, blah, blah, blah. Right. I have the analytics in front of me. I know what I'm doing. So why am I giving, if they want this, why am I giving them that? You get what I'm saying? Like, why am I switching it up? So like overnight and it made me like, I'm sitting on jazz albums, dude. Like I'm sitting on different things. I feel like, I feel like jazz would be welcomed by the boom bap lo-fi kind of community that digs my stuff for the most part you know because they, they were fans of brown bag and all those kind of things um it made me realize you can't just drop stuff and expect everyone to get it you know what i mean maybe it's not for them that's all it is it's just not their cup of tea it doesn't mean it's not good there might be 70 million people who love it but let's just say the hypothetical seventy thousand people who are going to listen to it or some shit hate it because they don't like that shit but i didn't target that weren't they weren't my target target market you know what I mean? The, uh, the people who would, who should like it, they, who would like it. I mean, they weren't the ones that we were like, let's set out to get them. We just pushed it on our socials. And instead of hiring PR, that's, you know, aiming towards a different genre of, or a different audience for different genres and things of that nature. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot from it. It made me, it made me sit on all this big sounding stuff that I'm going to start dropping this fall. You know what I mean? I mean, but you, you had the flexibility to do that because you're, you're indie and you're your own boss. But when you yep. when you FaceTime Sid the Third and he's taking your call on a private plane, it's like I mean, like what kind of artist would Freddie Mercury be? What kind of artist would Jay Z be if Rockefeller didn't agree to a fifty fifty partnership and distribution deal with Def Jam? What kind of artist would Bjork be if she didn't have a distribution deal with Elektra Records? Would she have created the biggest rock band to emerge from Iceland and go on to pursue a solo career? Would she have been able to nab producer Nelly? Hooper have music videos directed by the guy who did eternal sunshine. Would she be able to go platinum have album of the year? If they were indie, like, do you sometimes find yourself like my dreams are major label, but I'm, but the flexibility doesn't allow me to be myself. I have to remain indie. Do you kind of have that struggle? hundred percent. I love that you made the Bjork and I, I know what you're doing. You know, I love Bjork. So basically, dude, that is exactly it, yo. That's exactly it. I, I have turned down multiple deals with major labels, um, you know, with Brown Bag and, and things like that. And um, even with 5-7 Collective, man, we had, a, we had a deal on the table with Capital for a distribution deal. And that was very, very, very flattering and very generous, too. But Soul Spasm was a better deal and it makes more sense. So we did that. And we own our masters, by the way. The night before, the light by dream of in the dark. So then the light I spark combines the very two in which I thought I'd go up to be. But hopefully the road I see will lead to greatness. So first I gotta find the golden key. So that was a big part of it. So shouts to Jim Drew, shouts to Soul Spasm, the real, real big homie. And um that yeah, that's that's a big thing, man. I have major label dreams. Listen to my music, man. It's eclectic, it's melodic, it's 
there's pop aspects in there that I know a guy who's probably driving to work right now listening to Rock Marciano would fucking hate what I do. It's not for him. You get what I'm saying? Maybe the shit I'm producing for Lord Tuzi or whoever, Shabam Sadiq or go down the list. That's for him. But the shit I'm doing is absolutely not. So why would I market it to him? That's asinine. So what I've been doing is kind of putting the putting the medicine in the candy or whatever the phrase is, little by little. You know, like these projects I'm putting out have moments of melodic shit and things of that nature. But like for the most part, it's what they want. And it's not I'm not compromising the integrity of the music. I'm not making this music because I know my core audience wants this one specific sound for me. And they do. I'm not wrong. That is what they want. That's why I'm successful, because I understand that. But like I didn't understand that before. And it changed my life to understand that. You know what I mean? So I, I'm going to remain independent. I, I would highly doubt I'll sign with a major for what I'm doing. I don't think I need to. I have great relationships with a lot of A&Rs at all, almost all the majors. I could shop beats to them. I have co-productions with bigger producers who have way bigger credits currently and things like that, that are some of them landed on some big major label shit that's supposed to come out this year that I can't talk about on the air, but I could tell you in an email and like things like that. That will be a game changer. But yeah, to get and also to backtrack on your last part of the question was, did it change my life? Absolutely. The, the shit with Slug and Premiere totally changed my life. By the way, it was my first directing credit as a music video director. So it was like, I got mad offers after that. Somebody at Atlantic even reached out, you know, from the video department. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that's pretty crazy for me to be a director. You know, that wasn't even the plan. It's just, I love what I do. And that's something I do now. So if, if like all of the output that we've talked about so far, 140 songs, a freaking a year and we're, we're talking about all these deals and directorial debuts and everything. Do you, you're busy, you know, do you wish you could do more Brown bag stuff, more JMO gang stuff? Cause at this stage in your life, you have to mount, match outputs and ambitions with other people. And I'm not saying that these people aren't excited about music anymore, but you know, like I said, you released 13 albums worth of music last year. Razkaz's output. Isn't that aggressive? Audible doctor's output. Isn't that aggressive? Soulcon was trying to be a politician. His output wasn't that aggressive, but your foot's on the gas so hard. Does that create problems with people in your life who have a slower output and perhaps has an adverse effect on your music relationships? Like on January 1st, when you wake up every year, do you look around and find yourself on an Island by yourself because no one's at the level that you're at? Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, I want to. I think I want to sample you saying that because that's a that's a bar. <laughs> um, I I honestly, you know what it is, man. Like with Brown Bag and JMO Gang, like I'm down to make music with them till I die. You know what I mean? The, 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 that's family. Both of them. Those are my brothers. You know what I mean? Like for real. Even if we go a little bit of time without speaking, not on some beef shit, but just we're busy and life is life, and we're adults, we're grown, we're doing real shit. If, we go, if I go a couple months without talking to Raz, I mean, I run into him in LA or some shit, or at a, we're both in this place. We run into, like, we're the happiest we ever been. We're picking up where we left off. You know, I was on the phone with El Gaunt last night for two hours or some shit. Like, these, you know what I'm saying? Like, things like that. Like, I'm in an email chain with Brown Bag right now talking about a Zoom just to, just to catch up. Like, this family, man. And I'm just so grateful to even know them as humans, let alone the music side. And, uh, and, and shouts to Solcon for his political run, man, right? Like, that, like he was working for Bernie Sanders. Like the only politician that you can't say too many bad things about. That's kind of cool. You know what I mean? So it's like, I was like, I told him back then, I was like, not that he was asking for my opinion on it, but I was like, yo, you have a, I've said it to him. He could quote me on this for sure. Like, I'm like, dude, you have a big platform. People listen to what you have to say. And I'm not saying I agree with everything anybody says, by the way, <laughs> disclaimer, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying like, you have a lot to say and you're doing the political thing for Bernie and that's what you believe in. And it's for positive change. So go for it. You know what I mean? Like do what you do, man. Like we, I got you back. Let's go. So it's like, if he's going to do that and take time off, then we can't do brown bag without Solcon. Me and Audible were on the phone a year ago 
talking about the Brown Bag album album because all we've done is mixtapes and compilations of singles. We've never released a real album where we put our foot in it and we're like, let's do all these skits. Let's do let's let's do let's put the best Audible and J fifty seven DJ Element beats. Like we never let's call in our fucking big homies as favors for features. We never did that once, not once. It's all been mixtape shit, and that's cool. Really great, really strong bodies of work, but. If Brown Bag wants to make another album outside of the album that we're sitting on that we're fine-tuning right now, I would love to do that shit in the same room. Same thing with JMO Gang. I would love to make these records in the same room. Because like you're saying, okay, let's say I'm really prolific and some people aren't as prolific and they don't have the time or, or they don't want to do it like that anymore. Maybe they're not as, not, I'm not going to say hungry, but maybe they're not as driven to wake up and just make music all day, every day and like be a nut job like I am about it. You know, Totally cool. Absolutely cool. But I would prefer to make an album in the same room with those guys. Cause I mean, how much fun would it be? Cause I consider them all family to begin with, but like, like picture like Brown bag, we go on a trip, we go to fucking Hawaii for a week and we make an album. I mean, that's pretty doable. That would be fun. JMO gang. They come, I don't know. We go, we all go to Amsterdam for a week or two weeks or some shit. And we make an album pretty doable. And I think we'd make the best shit ever if we did it that way. So that's how I, I don't like to do um, the email shit with people anymore. I don't like to, I did meet my album with blame one which some people really, really genuinely love. And I love it so much. And so does Blame. We did that all through email. We never met in person until the shit was getting mastered. <laughs> it was in the mastering phase when we met for the first time in real life. You know what I mean? It was all calls and emails. And uh, most people can't believe that because of the cohesion, how cohesive it is. But like, I'm good at that stuff. But I don't, but here's the thing. Then I'm on the hook. Then I, then you have, then I'm, if I'm doing that with like five people, and that's the only thing they're doing, you got to think about the mentality, right? If I'm working with five, let's just say five MCs separately, and they're all blah, 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 and J57. The way I do it, it's, it's and J57 in the artist title. If I'm the producer, if I'm the rapper, then I go first, right? So that's how I do it to like differentiate them. And like, if I'm doing that with five people, I'm just going to get blown up all day by all five of them. And that's not, a, that's not their bad. It's not their, not their fault. It's like, that's the only thing they're working on, but I'm working on five things at the same time. And by the way, a J57 project or 20 at the same time, right? So it's like... <laughs> I don't like that shit. I stopped doing it in, during the pandemic. I made a whole announcement in 2020 as well. Some people got offended. They thought it was about them. Not at all. I had to like, I had to like make a couple calls when I got a couple nasty emails <laughs> and be like, no, 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 no. It's not about you. I could see you thinking that. And it's not what nobody mentioned so far in the call and uh, on this interview. It's not, it's not Brown Bag or JMO or anybody close to me. There was a couple of people who are super cool homies of mine, but I was just like, I can't, it's my heart's not in it. It's not in it to be like at everyone's beck and call as a producer. I'm not even a producer. I'm an MC producer. I'm no different. Like we've talked about in recent email. I'm no different than LP. I'm no different than Odyssey. I'm no different than whoever, man. I'm not, I'm not one of these guys who just makes beats. I'm not a fucking producer. You know what I mean? So it's like, I actually wake up and I want to be, I want to make music for J57. Now I don't want to do collaborative shit. I, my heart's not in it. So, but if I'm in the same room with you and we're making an album, in a week and whatever's done in that week is done and say only four songs come out of it, right? That are keeper, like keepers that are amazing. Then that's what it is, bro. That's how I'm moving. I can't do it. I don't want to be on the hook. I'm not a real producer. I'm not like Marco Polo, who's the, the homie, shouts to him, but he doesn't rap. He's just a producer and a phenomenal producer. I don't mean just a producer, but that's the only thing he does. So if Marco's doing an album with Ace and he's doing an album with this guy and that guy and this woman, blah, 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 he doesn't give a shit because it's all he's doing. I'm waking up and I'm trying to get my fucking lyrics out of my head that God keeps sending me, that the universe is giving me, my melodies that the universe is giving me. You get what I mean? That's more important to me than making beats. It's equal, but it's more important to me. So I don't want to be at everyone's beck and call being like, 
yo, we need a reggae beat on this album. We need a Griselda sounding beat on this album. We need the, like all the cliche ass shit that people do. I don't want to fucking do that. You get what I mean? Like I want to do me <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm gonna. Some, sometimes your, your friends, like you say, like either it's on Instagram or they can misconstrue kind of your, your movements. If you visit your sister for Christmas and you make the magazines beat, does your family is like, hey, can you can you turn it off for a second and like spend time? Or they understand, they get it, they know how you operate. And you know, let's keep it a buck. The Christmas before, I wasn't able to fly home for Christmas because I was really fucked up from the accident, and um, and that was sad as shit. You know, that was really sad. And so my nephew, his birthday is in December. It's my godson. It's my nephew. You know, so like he was turning two. So I'm like, yo, I'm going from his birthday till the end of Christmas, right before New Year's. You know what I mean? I'm just gonna be with the family. I'm not telling anybody I'm out here. I'm gonna. I'm just going to go see family because guess what? Your boy was sad as shit the Christmas before. Sad as fuck, right? So, and hurt as fuck. So I'm like, I got the second chance. Let's do it right. You know what I mean? So when I was, when I'm with family, I'm present, man. I'm present. Like if, so my, my nephew, JJ, when he goes to bed at like seven, cause he's a baby, um, I'm hanging out with my sister and brother-in-law, my parents and, and stuff like that for an hour or two. And then they're all going to bed. Cause JJ wakes up at five in the morning. Cause he's a baby. <laughs> and I'm not waking up at five in the morning, so I'm going back into the basement where I'm staying, and I got nothing to do, so I'm like, I'm like kind of working on music. What up, y'all? So that was part one of my conversation with J57. You got to come back where we get deeper into a conversation. You get to hear some baseline motivations for why this podcast is ending, the future of J57's music, and more. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next week, which is part two, the conclusion of my final interview.